Welcome everyone to You Can't Handle the Genre. I'm Indigo McLeod. And I'm John Ortegon. And every month we pick a film genre to break down. And every week we pick a movie to explore under that genre umbrella. And this is the fourth and final week for now of our month of horror. Uh, We will return to horror next year, uh, same time in October, when we will, I guess, celebrate our one-year anniversary. Here's to the future. But for now, we talk about today's film. Oh, I am excited. Uh, Today's film is the 2018 horror masterpiece that's right we're talking about hereditary directed and written by my main man ari aster i hope one day we can work together or i can just hear you in general um talk to (laughs) me (laughs) uh this film is starring tony collette gabriel byrne alex wolf and millie shapiro as the grand family the family we are following through this film is also following Anne dowd as joan is she good is she bad you should have seen the movie because we're gonna spoil the hell out of it so i'll spoil it right now fuck oh yeah (laughs) everybody dies everybody dies everybody dies boom sorry uh we said it (laughs) um so john how did you first discover hereditary i actually came across hereditary on nat wolf's instagram i don't know why i had nat wolf's (laughs) instagram but like he he had posted some behind the scenes and he tagged alex his brother and i didn't even know he had a brother either so i was like okay i hit it and it looked seemed interesting but like i hadn't heard about it after that it kind of just like skated under my radar and then i saw the trailer in theater and i was like oh shit hereditary oh okay and the trailer looked fucking amazing so i was like Oh, I'm definitely watching this. And yep, went to go see it in theater. Loved it so fucking much that I went back the exact net the next day to watch it again. Wow, you are a more powerful man than me. I did see it very close together. Like there was it was a few days between for me because I I needed time to process this because um, when I saw it um, and as uh, previous listeners uh, know, uh, John and I also worked at a movie theater together Um, at this period. He was been gone for a little bit, uh, but I was still there um, and I had seen. Uh, so for me, for Harry Terry um, at the time was 2018. So I had become a projectionist in February of that year. And um, I was able to like preview movies. Uh, basically, if it's t- uh, Thursday at 12 a.m., we'd be able to watch it just to make sure everything's working correctly before people could see it like at, say, 7 p.m. Um, usually now is the time. Well, yeah, right now, but <laughs> usually is the time um, on the same day on Thursday. So I remember hearing about i've I've like her hearing about the trailer i think someone was saying like this movie looks scary because it premiered at sundance in january um i think i heard it like heard that once and then we had like a cardboard standee um of like the house and it looked like one of the uh, miniature doll houses that are in the film and i was like wow this looks ominous and interesting um and i remember i watched the trailer and i was like and I, and I love trailers. I really, really do love trailers. And it's hard for me not to watch them. And I know sometimes it spoils uh, things, but um, I, I'm just, I was so compelled to uh, check this out. And I remember getting through half of it and thinking, oh my God, 
I, you know what? Because it's a horror movie. I don't want any of the scares or, oh, shoot, if I see this person now, maybe I think, oh, they can't be dead because they had the scene in the trailer. So I stopped it because I think I, I was like, I was, I'm sold. I'm really sold. Mm-hmm. And I got to preview this movie alone. And I was so happy. I was like, I have to do this. And John, I don't have nightmares from horror movies. I just, I, I get scared during horror movies a lot. Like I, I'm some, I often do cover my eyes or like look through between my fingers. I, I'm, I'm not brave. Um, That's an Indigo classic. It's true. <laughs> but I don't really have nightmares from a movie. Um, but watching Hereditary and one of the biggest theaters um, uh, with one of the biggest screens in the theater um, that I worked at, watching it obviously in the dark it was late at night um you know it was midnight um watching it all alone just all alone in a theater with the speaker <laughs> system with every small little detail amplified in my ears all around me i had not felt such terror in a movie in a long time it a few times even it's hard because your favorite movies are your favorite movies. So obviously they hit you in a certain way, but yeah, even though that is true, <laughs> hereditary hit me in ways that I still can't even describe. And that's why I'm so happy. We're talking about today. Yeah. I have never felt so disturbed to my core, uh, terrified. Uh, some people said this wasn't a scary movie, which I can understand. Maybe they don't mean like jump scares, nothing like was popping out at you because this movie let things just happen. Like he just shows things happening. Sometimes they're in the frame and then sometimes you have to pay attention uh, and you might see it. You might not on the first viewing, but between yeah. the sound design and the score and the acting, this is one of the most well-crafted f- films ever. And for me, this is my favorite horror movie of the decade. And John's was The Witch. I think I think yes. The Witch is number three for me. And The Lighthouse just edges out a little bit. But mm-hmm. not only as Hereditary was it my favorite film of 2018. Not only was it my favorite horror movie of the 2010s. It is in my top 10. And maybe 10. I There's a lot of great horror movies. But it's in my top 10 of all time horror movies. And it's one of my favorite films of all time. Like it belongs there. It belongs there. I'm telling you right that. Yeah. Nothing just rushed over me like this. I saw it. So I saw it that Thursday and I was terrified. I was even terrified the next day. Um, And I think it was the following Tuesday I saw with my friend and I was kind of watching him watch it because I wanted to see if he liked it as much. And I thought he didn't because his head was down a lot. And then I talked to him later and he realized, Oh no, I, I was just scared. So that's, that's, that's why um, I was like, oh, okay. And I had not seen it since then uh, till we watched it um, for this show, just cause I wanted to just let it sit in my mind. And it's been everywhere with like memes and uh, just people oh, talking yeah. about this movie in general, but yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad that people love it as much as as you do. Number one. Um, and I I mean, I really love this movie, too. And I felt the same way. Very first time I watched it. I mean, obviously, there is the scene that is going to make you feel some type of way, <laughs> like no matter what, because it just feels like something you basically have never seen in a movie before. Um, that is that is the Charlie scene, which we will get to. Um, but <laughs> this 
this film literally fucks me up every time I watch it. Like the reaction that you, that, that you say you got in the first time, every time I watch it, I get the same just flat out disturbed reaction. Like it feels wrong. Like, like it doesn't feel like we should be watching it. <laughs> and that's what I love most about it. I love it so much. Uh, just like you. I mean, I think one of the reasons I was uh, trying to figure out why I loved it was because I think Ari Aster, and it really hit me watching it this time. And like this year, like I've said before, I've watched a lot of different movies from a lot of different uh, decades and countries. So uh, just, you know, besides my previous experience watching some movies before this year and what hit me so hard and especially doing research about Ari Aster himself is that this movie, it just feels like it was of a different time as well as like last week's movie, the witch in different ways, obviously, because this is supposed to be modern times, more modern, but yeah. Yeah. But I think he, this movie to me is almost like a movie from the seventies, you know, because a movies from the seventies, are different they're slower paced you know you, you can feel it like when you watch i mean this is from 1982 but um just for this example when i watched blade runner 2049 um i loved it i loved it so much the night before was the first time i had ever seen the original blade runner which i found mm. slow but not in a good way just i was just like okay let's speed this up a little bit and Come to know after I saw the movie um, that Blade Runner 2049 was almost an hour longer, but I thought was faster and better paced. But yeah, from that time period, movies were allowed to just exist, you know, like shots were held for longer um, things that happen in frame, like reaction shots were just allowed to happen. It just, it, it's a different time. Like now we're in this faster moving environment. So I, it's understandable that like shot lengths are shorter and what have you. And like, there's a bunch of scenes in movies than just like fewer scenes that are just very, very long and dense with um, dialogue and just things happening. And hereditary felt like that to me because yeah, it's mostly it really is mostly a drama, a family drama first. And I think that's why it resonated so well with like you and me and other people, because yes, it's a horror movie, but I think the horror is actually secondary. It's really like the, the terror and the confusion and uncertainty that the family feels, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you, you really feel just that, grief that grief that intense intense grief and that is like honestly the most terrifying part like the whole that's the most terrifying concept of the movie like watching um when tony finds charlie which is a magnificent scene in the way it is like you know like shot and the sound this the way the sound works in it where you can hear her opening the door and it's just zooming in on um peter's face um like the set, like when Tony Collette just breaks down after finding Charlie, that is like, oh my God, it cuts me to my core. So just so heavy and just, oh. Do, do you want to, do you want to talk about that section? 
What we can absolutely. <laughs> all right. I mean, we're gonna go all over. So you know what? Fuck it. Let's let's go. There's a lot. There. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> I mean, I guess we could lead into it from the party itself into that scene. I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is the part of the movie when Peter, uh, played by Alex Wolf, who definitely I want to talk about his acting um, coming up. But yeah, Peter is told by Tony Collette's character, his mom, Annie, to take his sister, Charlie, played by Millie Shapiro, to this party. Because, uh, you know, Peter wants to go to this party. It's like, you know, he's a teenager. It's a party party. Uh, he lies to his mom saying it's like this, some school function. And then to, uh, Annie is like, uh, take your sister. And then after <laughs> Charlie <laughs> sees her grandma near like a fire outside, like this image of her grandma. And then uh, Annie's just like, Hey, come back in here. What are you, what are you doing outside with no shoes on? And then she's like, take uh, go with your brother. And she's like, I don't, I don't want to go. It's like, you're going like, to have mm-hmm. to go. And, and then they go, they get there. They're partying. Uh, well, uh, Peter is trying to get this one girl from class. that was <laughs> staring at her ass earlier in the film. Um, like, he's like, Hey, you want to smoke? <laughs> Which I got to say yes, real sir. quick. Dude, yes, isn't sir. it funny when you're like, oh, yeah, let's smoke like this one other person. And then there's like four other people in the room like, oh, oh yeah, on, you dick. Yeah. You got cock blocked. Yeah, it's like 100%. I don't have enough weed for all these people. <laughs> like one or two rotations max. No, straight up. <laughs> it's like we could get lit. And now it's like, I guess. We're gonna have to drink some more. I don't know. <laughs> I love I love that part where they're in the room though, and just like, yeah, I saw your sister in class the other day. She uh she was she drew me. So yeah, she made me look retarded. Yep, that's Charlie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know, so Charlie has a peanut allergy, which is set up really, really good um in the funeral scene at the beginning because she's eating this candy bar, just staring at her grandma dead in a casket and then uh it, it's really oh my god this movie has so so much subtlety it's so great but it's just mm-hmm. a quick, almost you think throwaway line in a way just the parents are like hey hey nuts in that and then uh charlie just shakes her head and then annie asks are there any nuts to that to her husband steve and then she says and he's like no no there's no nuts and it's like okay cool because we, we don't have the EpiPen with us. Um, and then later she <laughs> uh Peter's like, all right, just kind of like hang out at the party. I'm trying to go to this room. And then she there's he's like, hey, there's cake over there. And then she goes to eat the cake. And I wanted to ask you, at what point were you like, oh shit, not allergy? Like during it happening, like when she's actually showing symptoms or breathing, or did you think of that like immediately when you saw the cake? Like, oh shit, there might be nuts in there. So I thought of it when, and I, there were a lot of thoughts that came to my mind when I saw this. So one, there is like the chick who's making the cake is just like, there's one shot of her chopping up all the nuts in the weirdest way possible. Like I've never seen anybody chop up nuts in this way. And I noticed that immediately. I was like, first off, what the fuck is this chick doing? And second off, why are they making a cake? (laughs) Like, Like this is like a senior high school party. Like what's going on here? But then, yeah, I did notice that at that moment because I noticed that it was nuts. And like, even though it was really subtle and I love how genuine that was between Annie and Steve, like I did remember that. And I remember like, oh, well, that's fucked up. There's nuts in that cake. Yeah, I, I think I. I'm, I'm trying to remember if I I think I noticed the nuts and maybe because I'm just so stupid. 
I didn't put it together yet. Um, but then I think I put it together when she started wheezing, and I was like, Oh, wait, oh wait, the nuts. Oh shit, there was nuts. Oh, there's nuts in the cake. Fuck, she has an allergic reaction, and her brother's high or drunk or whatever. Who knows? And yeah, it that started freaking me out. And then you know, she comes in the room like Peter. <laughs> I don't feel so good. Peter. Charlotte. <coughs> What's up? Are you okay? It's hard to breathe. And then I thought, oh shit, oh shit, Charlie, no. I and love how serious it gets too. Like, like how Alex immediately just goes like wait what's wrong like are you okay like it's it goes from like yeah i'm getting high and like everything's all chill to like immediate emergency yeah and then yeah that's that's when the score uh starts right uh raising and i remember uh because obviously this is such a memorable scene coming up i remember when uh, because he gets in the car and he starts driving um to take it to like a hospital and i thought oh okay so you know like most movies if you start having like a allergic reaction or something maybe you might show someone starting to drive i guess but you'll usually cut to the hospital i thought oh man it's gonna have this huge crazy scene at the hospital where obviously charlie's probably gonna survive and Mm -hmm. but like her parents are gonna be all mad at peter and everything that's it's not what happens no, no. <laughs> the car just keeps going. I thought, um, what's going on? And then Millie Shapiro is so excellent in the scene. Um, I found out she actually won like an honorary Tony um, for like her work in Matilda, which is where um, like probably like the biggest thing she had done before this, because this is her feature film debut. And I thought, oh, OK, that makes sense because she's really good at being really weird because if you see her in interviews she's like a normal person <laughs> and it's kind of weird <laughs> it's like oh you're like a normal little teenage girl okay you're not charlie <laughs> yeah you're like a uh, girl would be like oh yeah she's a normal human not like some weird i don't know like uh uh offering to uh one of the gods in hell <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> amen <laughs> but yeah this is yeah so but yeah she's like holding her neck and she's like kicking the back of the seat just like she her throat's closing up she's like dying and it's just the most terrifying thing (laughs) one of the things i hate most um there's uh, this is a there's a show um inside the actor studio and the host uh sally passed away i believe last year but um, one of the questions he asked, like all these like famous actors at the end of the show, this is like the same set of questions. And one of them is, "What sound do you hate the most?" And my answer would be the sound of children coughing or choking. I just because it's just I don't know. Maybe it's because there's just so little, and I'm like, ah, oh, oh god, kids coughing yeah. is disgusting. But also, I'm like, oh, you're so little. I don't want you to die like this. And so even yeah. though she's a little older, it just yeah, it just gets it's under your skin. Oh yeah, it hits the same way. You're watching her suffer. Like you're watching her just suffocate pretty much. It's it's so intense. And then And you think you you think right then, oh wow, okay. So she's just gonna die in the back. Like that's really unfortunate. That is very sad to watch. But nope. Nope. Nah, that nope. window has that's to come down. <laughs> Roll down the window that gets some air. And yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's when Charlie sticks her out the window and Peter's just, you know, high, but he's done a good job driving, but he's like, Charlie, stick your head back in the window. But, you know, she's having an allergic reaction. She's all fucked up. She's she's trying. I, I mean, I uh, it's understandable. Right. And it, it's mm-hmm. just a horrible thing. And he sees, I believe, like a deer carcass of some or some kind of dead animal on the road. Big. And he swerves the right. And that's when we get the head hitting the pole. I couldn't believe it. I was jaw dropped. Jaw dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Just dropped. I watched it in the like watching it in theaters. Just like this, like, oh, (laughs) shit. Like, oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, I I felt just like Peter. I was just like, I couldn't give I couldn't breathe. I just was watching this happen. I was I can't believe this just happened. I can't believe. Also, it's so early in the movie, right? Like so, I assume Charlie, yeah. you know, like creepy kids last at all the whole movie. <laughs> Usually <they're smart. laughs> but not, no, not with this particular one, Charlie. Nope. <laughs> yeah, she gone. Well, nope, well, well part of is still here. And she we'll is gone. That clicking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, dude, I, I was watching this and I couldn't believe it. It just even then, like knowing everything that happens, watching it the third time uh, the other night, I still was just flabbergasted. And it's such a tense scene. It's just so uncomfortable. And yeah. When that happens, you just stay on Alex Wolf as Peter. And this is why people and I will definitely, we will get there to Tony Collette and her. Oh, we, we have to get there. We have we to get there. It's one of the greatest performances by any female lead, like lead in. I don't even know if I've ever seen honest. Honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen a better performance like that. Jesus Christ. Oh man. I love this. Bro. I love this. We, we will get to Tony. She have, she will have her own fucking section. Uh, we, we will have like a Tony hour every episode. That's how good she is. Um, but Alex Wolf to me, he also is going for it. And I think he does maybe not equal, but not far off to me. This is like a lighthouse Willem Dafoe, Robert Pattinson type deal. Like they're both throwing fucking haymakers. I mean, Alex oh, yeah. Wolf in the scene has so much subtlety and so is Tony Collette in so many scenes. It's hard not to talk about her. We will get there. Uh, but Alex Wolf, um, we just see his face after this happens. Like he's afraid to look back. And this is why I'm mean about like the stillness because maybe in this same movie in a different director's hands, like you would see a reaction shot for a few seconds and maybe like, a, Oh God, what have I done? What have I done? And then it'll cut away or something maybe to like the police being there and the parents coming like, Oh my God, my baby, mm-hmm. but not here. We just see him sitting there just completely, utterly shocked and uh, unable to move. And when he does look into the rear view mirror, he, he can't for long. He just goes back and, I don't know what I would. I was thinking the whole time, like I don't know what I would have done. Like I, you're feeling a lot, and then uh-huh. it cuts to a wide, and he just drives, drives off. 
And then, yeah. and then this is the part though, when he comes home, he walks in, he's in the hallway and you can just, you can hear Annie and Steve is like, Oh, thank God they're home. And it's Dude, just like, I didn't even, oh, I didn't even hear God. that the first time. <laughs> so I, I, I really didn't. And then the second time I saw it, I was like, I almost started crying because I was like, Oh my God. Like you, yeah. She says like, Oh, thank goodness they're home. And I was like, I even hear that. That's so fucked up. Dude, <laughs> On top of what there, happens next. There's so much, you got to always be just looking for hidden planted genius in this film. Cause there is so much there, you know, which we'll, we'll, we'll get into. Yeah. But what I actually do kind of want to talk about oh, yeah. is, is, how unnatural the movie kind of is and kind of things and decisions that go like on in the film. So like oh, number you, one. Oh, I was gonna say real quick. Do you want to like finish this scene too? Um, I know unless you were about to like relate that to this, I just wanted to, cause I know you kind of talked about, but I was, I wanted to go into the, the rest of the grief yelling shit that happens right after this real quick. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. We want to get deep, but, we, but we, yeah, we as soon as, deep. yeah, but right afterwards I'm, I'm in man. We want to go deep. We want to cry. We want to cry. It's fun. But yeah, like you said, like, um, like Annie says, like, you know, uh, Oh, thank goodness they're home. And we just see Peter walk to his room get in his bag he doesn't close his door or anything and then one another shot just him sideways um in his bed and you just see his face and then it's the morning it's like he never slept just one of those match cuts that are like there's three of them in this movie that are just excellent and then yeah outside tony collette <laughs> annie <laughs> she's coming and you just hear her say, okay, have a nice day or whatever to Steve. And then you just hear the screams. But that's just so another one of those great decisions by a director. Staying on him and just hearing her. I mean, because uh-huh. you can show. And I thought in that moment, oh, we'll never see like her body. And I believe, if I'm correct, that's when it cuts to Charlie's head covered in ants on the side of a road in daylight. And I was just like, Oh, uh-huh. this is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <Yeah. nasty. laughs> yes. Yeah. I like that whole, the whole sound in it is just great because you hear her, you know, like you said, and you hear the car door open. So it, you're, you're experiencing what she's experiencing in real time, but yeah, you're on Peter, but you're experiencing it. You're, you're experiencing it with your, like with your ears only. And it is just like, Oh my God. Yeah. And it's, it's just, yeah. Cause he goes to her, uh, like you said earlier, crying. It's heartbreaking. And then that it, the camera pans and you just see Peter standing in the hallway, just in the darkness. And yeah. And then it goes to the funeral and then there's this cool shot where it's like showing the funeral and then the camera um, goes down like a boom shot, like through the ground. And then, um, yeah, we're I think we're back in the house. And, yeah, it's <laughs> the whole vibe of this movie had changed from there. Uh-huh. On. But um, do you th- do you think because um, I, I, I noticed this? I've seen this movie quite a bit at this point. I want to say like eight times, but I did notice that in that shot where it does go down into the ground, do you think that's kind of referencing the fact that um, it's going down into her, the, the grandma's grave, which was desecrated. So it would have been dug up. 
interesting. I've, I've never thought about this. Um, interesting. I, I think I just took it as Charlie being laid to rest, I guess. Just like mm-hmm. her coffin being lowered into the ground was also just the camera. Um, but that's an interesting point. I never I never um thought of that before. I probably just went a, I, I, I probably just went a little bit too deep into it. <laughs> no, I mean, look, this movie I can have a lot of interpretations, which we'll also get to later. A lot of things we're just throwing later because you know there's so much to talk about. But that's another thing I want to get in eventually. But um, but you were saying earlier, and I'm happy to follow you down. Just how unnatural right. that the choices are kind of played out in the movie. Like number one, Annie sends. Charlie, who's like, you know, in grade in grade school to us, like, is Peter a senior? I took it as that or like, um, yeah, I want to say he's junior or to, senior. He, he's I think he's a senior because he's supposed to be applying to colleges. I remember because yeah. his dad's like, well, you should get on that, Peter. And then it's like, oh, well, I guess he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would Annie send Charlie to that party, even though like. Peter did say it was like a school function, but Annie in turn says, is there going to be drinking there? So she knows it's going to be a party. She knows it's going to be a senior party. That's true, right? Why would they send, why would she want Charlie to go to a party like that? Like at all? I I took that and I thought the same thing this time coming around. I think it was one of those like parent, I'm just, look, I'm, I'm just tired of you doing this weird stuff, like you're just outside with don't feed, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. If there's something to get you out of the house for a few hours. Fine, like, thank God, like we can have some alone time, Steve and I, because I can't take this. Um, I, I assume it's one of those things, like just get out the house, yeah. please. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's a bad and bad it can call. be taken. You know, bad call, <laughs> bad call, definitely. And then another unnatural thing is obviously I said it earlier, but the cake. It just, I don't know. It sketched me out. <laughs> like it's the, the whole thing sketched me out. I'm like, that is so weird to be at like a, you know, like a senior, like rager, you know, just somebody's making a cake. Yeah. And then um, this make this next one I'm about to mention makes sense because he was in a lot of shock because he's like, you know, it's clearly, but why the choice to drive Charlie? Why not the choice to call an ambulance? He was high. See, yeah. So that's what it can be. That's what it can be chalked up to. Like he, you know, he's high, he's in shock because, you know, it's clearly like, you know, a pressing emergency happening, but still like, it's just one of those unnatural things that like, it's just, it's there, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's, it's, um, <laughs> so it's weird because this happened the first time, the second, and uh, the last time I just saw it. But have you, have you ever seen the game plan with the Rock? Uh, Madison, <laughs> <laughs> Madison, oh. Madison Pettis' character, uh, his daughter, is uh, has a like a <laughs> reaction to peanuts as well, and he just does I remember this. this. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and then I think it's in New York or whatever, and then he. Is like I gotta drive you to the hospital. Oh my god, my daughter! I don't know why he doesn't talk like that. He just talks like the Rock. Um, <laughs> but he's driving her, and it's like, ah, shoot, we're stuck in traffic. I'm gonna keep this voice. We're stuck in traffic. I get my daughter to the hospital, and then uh, I don't know what voice this is. And then <laughs> he just takes her. 
out the car is like, I'm going to run in a hospital with my daughter in my hands. <laughs> and yeah, so I guess it's, it's one of those, I don't think we have time to wait for the ambulance. I'm going to just take her because we don't have an EpiPen in either of those situations. So yeah, maybe they, he thinks, well, we are way out here. Cause I think he says, I mean, I don't know how far a hospital is in that area, but I know he says he's like an hour away from their house and they're mm-hmm. in Utah. I found out because um, I was wondering, so like, where are the fuck are they in this uh, world? Or I don't know it was made up or like it's supposed to be a real world place. And it's supposed to be like outside Salt Lake City, at least um, that's where they also filmed in Utah and stuff. Um, so I would assume it's a while to call an ambulance to get out there. I mean, they could maybe treat her in the ambulance, though. So, yeah, I guess it's like high versus fear, probably. Yeah, the shock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, which I get. I totally understand that. And like, I'm not, you know, I'm with me saying that these things are unnatural. It's not me bashing the movie at all, because I like that. I like how these decisions were like made on the path you know, to the ultimate end goal, which is, you know, getting Charlie out of her body to go into Peter's and Peter being payment, you know, <laughs> you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say, do you uh, want to actually, I was going to uh, say a few things about Ari Aster himself. Does that sound, uh, does that sound okay? Sounds fantastic to me. Bet. Master. He's a master. Master Aster. Wow, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just came up with that. Uh, Master Aster. Master Aster. Um, I'm afraid that if I tweet him that or something, he'd be like, what the fuck did you say? Uh, I-, I love you, actually. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Ari. I'm sorry, Ari. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, his. So, like, yeah, his. This is his first feature film. He followed this up with Midsummer in 2019. Um, but before that, so he started making, he always loved movies. He loved horror movies, he loved dramas. Um, one of the, the first things that really put him on the map for some people was a short film he did called the strange thing about the Johnsons, which was Ari Aster's thesis film when he was at the AFI conservatory. You can check this out on YouTube. I did earlier this year. And I don't want to spoil what it's about. I didn't know going in. I just heard it was fucked up and weirder than Hereditary and Midsummer. Yeah. I mean, it's only it's 30 minutes. But for what it is, it is fucking weird. It's weirder. It's, I don't weird. Know, it's a black comedy. That's a strong word. Yeah. Have you seen this? I have not. I, I would now that I know yeah. what this is. Yeah. It's the strange thing about the Johnsons. It's on YouTube. Uh, there's another one I just saw, um, which is called uh, Munchausen, like uh, referencing Munchausen syndrome. Um, and that uh, actually features the mom from Die Hard. Oh, God, I can't remember her name. It's like two B's, but she's in it. And I was like, hey, and it's like a completely uh, silent, like 11, 12 minute uh, short. Um, and it's also just messed up. So he was going on a <laughs> weird route to hereditary. Um yeah, he made like short six short films from 2011 to 2016. Uh, it took like kind of like several years for this film, Hereditary, to be made. At some point, he was actually working with Danny DeVito's production company uh, to be a producer. 
I think yes, that just didn't like fall through. He had like like 10 other projects also at the time he was trying to pitch to people, but just wasn't work, really working out and connecting. And eventually, even though Danny DeVito's production company passed, he actually had a producer friend who was the producer of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which, you know, ah. also a different movie. So that's cool. And that actually, uh, that producer got in contact with one of the producers of The Witch. So another great uh, oh. <laughs> connection for Ari. Uh, and then before being picked up by distributor A24, that's why once again, this is another A24 film. Uh, I can't. I wonder. We should have like an A24 bingo during our podcast. <laughs> How many A24 films can we get to in one year? But yeah, it's and then the rest was history. Premiered at Sundance, became a hit there. And then I believe it premiered in May or June of 2018. And it was it had a budget of $10 million and grossed $80 million worldwide. It's pretty good uh, for being this movie and being so strange. Definitely, yeah. He yeah. was. And it's his first. It, it's his first feature. Yeah, I mean, even though he made some shorts, like, I, and mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of them. This is just out of yep. this world. Heads in the like heads in the like tails above what he did before. Like this is it's amazing. I even saw a video of Martin Scorsese saying like. That um this this picture is uh it's it's really amazing it's 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 really it's really good it's really about the drama and then also it's about like the the horror and that's great but like the drama first and that's 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 what really gets this movie to an elevated level and I I agree I yes. agree Mr. Scorsese <laughs> um, heavily agree I heavily heavily agree they're like two peas in a pod Robert Eggers and Ari Aster yeah like I think we said in The Shining possibly this is they're like the two guys in horror like there's also also Mm -hmm. jordan peele just because you know get out was like fucking get out and us which i liked a lot but didn't love um i was was unfortunately disappointed in us i agree with that as well (laughs) i was (laughs) really excited for us and i was like yeah it's good has some issues not maybe as amazing as i hoped but yeah, but like, and uh, like I said before, Mike Flanagan, also a giant mm-hmm. name in horror. Like, no one probably last decade did as much in horror, like, like doing you know, Haunting of Hill House and doing all these films as well. But for doing two movies, Ari Aster and Robert Eggers, I feel like they're going to be one of those like, um, back and forth. Um, who's who's going to be on top uh, when we look back on their careers in the decades oh, yes. to come? Oh, um, yes. This also I want to say um, for move on. Uh, this movie was influenced by family dramas, which makes sense because he wanted to kind of mix the influence of this based on the story of like family drama and horror. So I guess he was influenced by films like Ordinary People, The Ice Storm in the Bedroom. Uh, and the big one for him was The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover. Um, and also Brian De Palma's Carrie, which he grew up on, which I can definitely see some imagery there. But um, yeah. uh, well, that, that's actually the Carrie, obviously, horror uh, side of that. And then also Rosemary's Baby, Don't Look Now, and The Innocence. But yeah, Ari Aster, interesting guy. I've seen he's a man. lot. <laughs> he's, he's the man. He's the man. With this amazing film and then Midsommar, which I didn't like as much, but I still really, really enjoyed. So, Me too. Like, 
you know, even though I have me myself, I have Robert Eggers ahead of him. They are so close. <laughs> yeah, I just watched the director's cut and I was like, oh, that's all it added. OK, sure. Thought it was good. Um, no, I mean, thought was, I thought the movie's really good. What am I talking about? I ended up giving it either three and a half or four stars. I think I gave it four and I really thought about it again. And I was like, you know what? I, I got to stay true to my heart. I'm, I can't give it a four. I, I tried. I, I ended up at three and a half out of five. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's still good. It's still a really good movie. I just, when I especially seen a, the, like a double feature of Hereditary and that, I just couldn't, I couldn't in my right mind um, because I've seen Midsummer before, but it's not the director's cut. And I wanted to see if that would improve it, which I do think. For me, I think the director's cut in uh, certain ways is better. Um, but like I there's a part where uh, in Midsummer for like five, 10 second um, tangent there, there's a part where like someone is told, hey, this person's going on a trip with us and it's a surprise um, <laughs> in the original cut of Midsummer, but in the director's cut there's an extended scene beforehand. So we already know. So the surprise is only for the characters, not for the characters and the audience, which I think is better. Um, so that's like a few couple, like one thing that I think is works better, but you know, it's fine. Uh, not fine. It, it's better than fine. It, it's, it's a good movie. It's a good movie, but hereditary to me is a masterpiece and I do not use that. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, this, I guess his next movie, Ari Aster said after Midsummer is so going to be some, I don't know why <laughs> it's going to be, <laughs> um, it's going to be a, 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 uh, four hour nightmare comedy. So yeah, I, yeah, I, guess. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I feel like it's not probably going to be four hours because the E24, even though they're filmmaker friendly are going to say, yeah, maybe a director's cut. But not the theatrical uh-huh. guy, because there's not a lot of theatrical <laughs> four-hour movies anymore at all, unless you're like splitting it up into two parts. So, but hey, I'm true. here for the three-hour version. <laughs> I'm all for it, no matter what. I yeah. trust Ari. I trust him so much. <laughs> um, trying to think, what else? Do you want to talk about um, Tony? Oh, you want to get into Tony? Oh God, I don't know. I, I Harvey wants to wait till later. But I, honestly, yeah. no. You know what? Let's let's keep let's keep the queen for later. Let's keep the queen okay. for later. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Grandma. We haven't really talked too much about Grandma, and she does seem to be yeah the major major part in this movie. She never speaks in the movie, but she has a gigantic presence and her photo is all over the place. <laughs> yeah, and it's fucking the first shot you see her in the corner after her death is fucking scary as shit. Yeah, I've never seen like a weirder uh picture of someone at a funeral just like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> she does not look like a happy person. She looks evil. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she she really does. She even looks evil. <laughs> Because we, we get a um, scene after the funeral. Oh, actually, really quick, at the funeral, um, there's a man uh, who weighs at Charlie's. And I don't know. Miley. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, because I did the first time. He's the same guy later on in the film at the very end who's in the shadow in their house waving at Peter. Yes. I was like, oh, hey, it's the same guy. He's 
naked in the dark in his house. What the fuck is happening? With the same smile. <laughs> yeah, with the same <laughs> the smile. Exact same smile. <laughs> um, I also thought it was great foreshadowing. Um, in, the, in like the first scene that Charlie and Annie have, and this is after the funeral, because Charlie talks about how um, her mom wouldn't allow. Sorry, Annie talks about how her mom wouldn't allow her to feed Charlie, like breastfeed Charlie, and saying uh, Charlie says like Grandma always wanted me to be a boy, and that's excellent foreshadowing for the end um, when we find out yes. that Payman uh, needs to have a male host, and that's why she was hoping that she would be a boy because uh, she would not allow Peter to be. Annie wouldn't allow Peter to be in like her mother's grasp because she was like, you're not going to mess up this kid. But I guess she felt bad or something afterwards. And that's, I don't know. That's why she let, uh, that's why she gave Charlie. Yeah. That's why she gave Charlie to her like that. Well, because yeah, because she says in the, in the meeting of the grief meeting about her mom, this was before Charlie died, um, that she didn't give her grandma any time at all or not her grandma, her mom, any time at all with Peter, because at that point they were on terrible terms and like, you know, she hated her pretty much. Oh God, that, that grief scene is very interesting. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah, that's where you find out that the brother, um, uh, Annie's brother, um, I think he, did he kill himself, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. He killed himself. And he, cause he, he said like, I felt or heard voices in my head, and you know definitely i believe that the mom was trying to do this payment thing to her son for yeah 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 with him and that's why there were actually voices in his head (laughs) yeah and (laughs) man i feel so bad for peter but i'll say i feel worse for him um well eh, i guess it's your mom i mean that's pretty terrible like your mom's trying to put a demon in you it's like i'm doing this for gold (laughs) it's like it's all about the money (laughs) doing this for gold yeah and then she also says like her dad uh died of starvation i mean that was a pretty messed up scene i was like Mm. oh jesus but like he did it by like to himself like on purpose and i was like oh okay so you're just like marked with tragedy. Wow, this uh-huh. is, and it's just a really great shot scene because it's kind of just a you see the whole circle of people, and then as she's telling the story, Annie, the camera just slowly zooms in on her, and I think it zooms out a little bit. And I mean, Tony Collette's just so great in that scene. She has a, such a good gambit of emotion. She's portraying. Yeah. Him. It's a hard. It's an interesting and hard. I was really like hearing the words she was saying and listening and trying to think like my choices as an actor would be um, like different or the same as her. And I, I mean, it's a very interesting way to play the scene. I think she does it, of course. Uh, perfect. Yes. Um, but agreed. Uh, but I was going to say back to um, the mom and like the breastfeeding thing, because I believe the next scene um after like charlie and annie are talking um after the funeral uh (laughs) annie finds a book on uh notes on spiritualism and then she finds like a note tucked away that's from her mom and it says my darling dear beautiful annie forgive me for all the things i could not tell you please don't hate me and try not to despair your losses 
you will see in the end that they were worth it. Our uh. sacrifice will pale next to the rewards. Love, mommy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that is a fucking understatement. I mean, <laughs> the things that this family goes through and them all dying—it's like, really? Oh, uh, honey, uh, that that there's a there's a things you're missing from that note. Um, talking about decapitation. Um, <laughs> uh, someone heading catch on fire, basically just running out of a window and ending it all in fear. Who knows? And just, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess- do want to talk. That's a G move right there. That yeah. is the perfect execution was jumping out of that window. Yeah. I would have done nothing less, nothing less at all. <laughs> There's a lot of moments in my life where I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to kill myself because I know I just can't handle this. Um, <laughs> it's actually pretty depressing. <laughs> How many times I'm like, I know I can't get out of this. Like, I'm not going to try and like, we're going to fight your last breath. I don't want to suffer. I'm just going to put a bullet in my head <laughs> or jump off a sky. Jump out, let's jump out the window. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to jump out that window. I hope the, I hope it's a big enough fall and no, i don't get it was a rough fall. landing it was a rough sure. landing but it was it was a great execution <laughs> that is that is very true uh <laughs> but in that in that scene where she finds the note i mean that's when that's the first time we see one of the, like the creepy things in the movie because that's when she turns off the light and her mom is just there and i remember in the theater i was like oh whoa 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 shit what the fuck what the fuck and then she turns on the light and she's gone but there's no jump scare sound. There's no like, it's just there. And that's when I thought, Oh shit, that's a really, that is, see, that's scary. I don't Mm -hmm. need a, like a loud sound because I just got the shit freaked out of me. Yeah. And then, no, 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 continue. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say like, in the, in like the mom, like you can see her, but she's not super clear. Like it's not, it's like, wait, it's more of a, wait, what the fuck? Not, Oh shit, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's definitely hidden. It's like the lighting in the room. And uh isn't the next shot or the next scene um when she walks into the grandma's room and her door is just open and she's she's like, "Did you open mom's door?" "Oh no." And then she locks it. Like like they lock it. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you're right. I believe you're right. Um, yeah, that's it's small things like that. Cause obviously, you know, we're watching a horror movie, but small things like that, where you think, man, I wish you knew what movie you were in because this isn't just one of those things. This is, this is fucked up. Uh, <laughs> very, very fucked up. Yeah. Cause I believe there's something else in that room later, right? It's, is it the, um, it's not a pentagram, but it's a triangle. It's a triangle on yeah. the on the ground. Okay. Um, that's what she. That's like the very first time Annie walks into that room. Um, well, the first time we see that room, there's a triangle on the ground, which already looks yeah. fucked up. There's there's all, all really fucking weird about having a triangle on the ground. Yeah, and then I believe there was also some um, some verbiage uh, carved into that room's wall too, because it's in Charlie's room. Uh, Charlie's room has the verbiage right. on the wall. And I'm pretty sure her room has the verbiage on the wall too. Yeah, I believe there's three different um, segments of words. I I was looking them up. I, I don't have them written down in front of me, but um, I was looking them up, and 
some people had different interpretations what a couple of the words meant. I think the second one, I believe, has two words, and that's supposed to translate to like inviting the devil in, which uh, makes perfect sense with the the demon god Payman. Uh, <laughs> I love how two weeks in a row we have like a cult, basically, um, like our Coven of Witches occult, just trying to like summon some sort of demon slash just take over a family and like a family uh-huh. deteriorating and almost Re- recruit. It's a recruitment story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for both of them. Yeah. It's like, they really are the witch and hereditary really are uh, more similar than you might think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a scene uh, when Charlie, uh, she's in the school and <laughs> she's having like a test and the teacher's like drawing or she's making one of her little figurine things she does. And then I remember this freaked the hell out of me because, you know, the loudspeakers of a theater, a bird just like hits the window and you're like, shit. <laughs> and everyone's looking and she's just looking forward. And that's when I thought of that's when I really thought, because most movies, the creepy kid uh, maybe gets powers or who knows what, but they're in the movie for the whole time. I thought, oh, that's her doing this. But I guess it wasn't uh, uh-huh. because <laughs> eventually you see like a shot of scissors and you're like, what the fuck does that mean? And she goes outside eating her. I little see what it means. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> She cuts the bird's head off and I almost couldn't even look. I, I was like, oh, that's so weird. He's decapitating dead birds. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure she does the uh, when that bird hits the window, she does the yes oh my god the clicking let's talk about the fucking clicking oh my god expert terror they use for that it's normal at first i think it starts in the funeral because she's doing that she's drawing and then like politely uh steve just closes her book just like all right this is a funeral all right your mom's talking just just focus okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the Oh yeah, that clicking is just I love how it stays throughout the entire movie and they use it for just amazing subtle scares. Yeah, it really was freaking me out. And also it kind of pissed me off when people I saw it the second time in theaters, people were just doing the sound, and I had just seen it several days before, so I knew when it wasn't happening. So I was mm-hmm. like, Man, come on, guys. Like I those are just assholes. Yeah. <laughs> those yeah. are just assholes. I got I'm gonna call them out right now. Assholes. <laughs> they are <laughs> you, like fucking people. If you're one of those people, go fuck yourself. I'm yeah. I don't care if I know you. Mom, if this was you, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, mom. I know it wasn't you. Actually, she's not even gonna listen to this. She she hates movies, uh, horror movies that are like terrifying. Like she'll like psychological thrillers. She hasn't even seen Get Out because she thinks it's more like us. And uh, mm. I'm like, it's it. No, us is us. No, it's just it's not really scary. It's in that way. But you're no. fine. You'll be fine. But she's not going to listen to this. She's not. If she does. I mean, I guess she's just supporting the show. Then thanks for supporting the show. And and you can also support the show. Everyone listening at can't genre pod on Twitter and Instagram and follow and like our uh, Facebook page. Anyway, um, yeah, but the <laughs> clicking noises throughout the movie, because there's I think there's the scene. Um, when Alex uh, Wolf, uh, uh, when Peter is just like in his bed and he opens his eyes, I think this is the scene. Yeah. Oh, cause it's a beautiful shot because after Charlie's gone, 
um, Annie just can't sleep. So she goes into the treehouse they have, and there's like mm-hmm. this red heat lamp. And like it cuts to him sleeping on his side, and the red lights just illuminate in his pupils, and it's so beautiful and like the blue hue of the shot. And then you hear, and then he's like, huh? What? And then you hear another one. And he just starts freaking out. And another one, he's like, what the fuck? And I think that's when he sees a chair. And it's like, Charlie? Oh, okay. No, it's just mm-hmm. a chair. It's not, it's not Charlie. But yeah, it's... But then the basketball. The basketball. Right. Later, he sees Charlie. And I was like, what the hell? And her head just falls off. And it's a basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's like a, it's a great part of the score. Let's talk about the score, actually. Um, Colin Stetson killed it. Killed it. Just amazing. Honestly, I'm very surprised that he didn't honestly keep Colin Stetson, that Ari didn't keep Colin for for Midsommar, too. I was uh, surprised. Maybe couldn't get him. I don't know. I was was like, oh, man. But, yeah, Colin Stetson, like, it has such a, like, like weird unearthly feel to it it's just Uh so strange sometimes like sometimes it's normal a lot of times it's just like uh i don't know it's like if someone was just like crawling under your skin somehow was like turned into an essence of a score like this is what it is i mean so many times the score just like takes over and it's just like pulsating loud like the (laughs) like the a the sleepwalking paint thinner scene which is referred Mm. to earlier and we see it um happening we don't know it's a dream sequence um i want to talk about that real quick because uh, the score in there uh because i hate i hate dream sequences in horror movies i really do I, i i hate them because what you see in a movie is normally reality and sometimes you know movies are playing with reality that's the point um so when it's found out that it's not true it's like oh okay but you know that makes more sense but i hate just fake scares they're like oh my god that was terrifying horrible thing oh it's not real yeah well okay that sucks but it's different here you know like i, I didn't very feel the same way <laughs> yeah no no this is an intense scene <laughs> this is like intense intense. well because it it is more subtle about it you know because you don't know it's a dream until it happens like until the paint thinner scene actually happens pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this is, she sees, um, I think Annie like sees a few ants on her ants. Yeah. yeah. And then she sees them like crawling out of her room and it goes into Peter's room. And then <laughs> the ants are just all over just his face. Demolishing like, his face. Yep. <laughs> I was like, Oh God, I hate, I hate this. I hate insects. This is disgusting. Ugh. <laughs> I would have, I would have just like hit him in the face, like Peter, or maybe I would have burned him. My, you know, I would have burned my son if he just has a bunch of ants. <laughs> over. I assume he's dead, so I'm like, I gotta kill these ants. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, <gonna> save you. <laughs> I'm saving you. Mom! You get ashes in the, you, you get ashes in the process. Yeah, you kill two birds, one stone. Hey, perfect. <laughs> I don't have to pay for cremation. I think that's a win-win. Um, hopefully, the police uh, don't think I just killed my son, but you know, like there's ants. I swear, <laughs> the, the ants are there. <laughs> Call Barry B. Benson. He'll vouch for 
me. He's a lawyer. It happened at the <laughs> end of B movie. I was there. <laughs> oh, yeah. but what, anyway. a, what a tremendous scene, though. Like, honestly, yeah. what a tremendous scene. Just because it is mentioned before, you know, when she's with Joan, fucking the grandma's crazy ass friend. Joan. When she's chilling with Joan, bringing um, Frankie back. Oh, wait, no, not Frankie. Louie. Louie. <laughs> <laughs> When she's she's bringing Louie back, you know, before that, she starts talking about uh, the paint thinner scene and how Peter uh, resents Annie because Annie tried to kill him. (laughs) Annie, during her sleepwalking, tried to kill Peter with some paint thinner and burn him alive in his sleep. Um, And the way that is handled and the way that scene is edited is fantastic. Yeah, the score is like pulsating when Annie sees Peter covering ants and her face like in torts and fear, but you don't hear like hear a scream or anything. And then like when she gets like peak, like how's your face doing this? Uh, you just hear Peter say, Mom, "What are you doing?" And then it cuts. He's okay. There's no ants. And then she's just like, "I was just uh," and yeah. And then he's and then there's like this back and forth. Where, and then she's uh, injected with truth serum. <laughs> yeah. In the maybe, you know, in another part of the scene that we don't see, but she's injected with truth serum. It's like, I never wanted to have a son. <gasps> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> then why'd you have me? It's yeah. like it wasn't my fault. I tried. <laughs> like I tried to keep Oh man. And I feel like with different actors, like, I mean, I can understand as I know, like someone who doesn't like this movie at all, thinks the acting for both of them is over the top and hokey. And I'm like, oh, dude, they're wrong. <laughs> I don't understand how you could see that. I, I mean, in this scene, I could understand that like it could, in a different tone of a different movie, it could be like hilarious. Like, what are you doing? But here I was like, no, I'm pretty fucking horrified, especially what we saw earlier. And their performances, and then this is just like why, like he's just like crying basically in this like bad, like then like like what do you hate about me? He's like I don't hate you, and then she's just like dripping wet, and he's dripping wet, and it's like, and then a fire just starts, and it's like oh it's the paint thinner, and then she wakes up in her room, um, and it's like oh shit, that that was a lot because I think that was more that added to the confusion of what's happening to the characters in the story and not just like, I don't know, just, just some quick scare for the audience. I think that was more for the characters than us, which that's why I believe this worked. Cause, and it comes at night, which I don't know if you saw it comes at night. Does, oh my God. I mean, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it, but I oh did too. <laughs> but I was so mad, but all the dream sequences in the movie, like there was like four or five times. And I thought, I, what are we doing? Why are there so many? And uh, Trey Edward Saltz, you know, I like you. I really liked Waves a lot, actually. I, I haven't seen Krishna, I think, his first film. But that was another movie where I thought, but I didn't really think it worked there. It, and it, one, it happened so many times. Like, you can do a dream sequence once, maybe twice. But, like, four times, like, or you're not Nightmare on Elm Street. And that's not, not even a dream You're sequence. not Dream Warrior. Yeah, not <laughs> you're not Dream Warrior, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like you're not Wes Craven um I don't know if he actually directed those. I don't know I know he directed the first one. Oh god I'm interested in that 
later. I'll figure that out um, <laughs> after the show. But um, <laughs> this is the night. Welcome, everyone, to Nightmare on Elm Street podcast. Um, yeah, but that paint thinner scene, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I mean, I have so many notes. Uh-huh. Like, basically every scene, it was kind of hard not to write notes on every single scene, which I think Dude, I did. I got the same. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got notes on, like, every single scene. <laughs> I do... <laughs> I do kind of want to discuss not Tony yet because that's going to be quite a chunk of time because I have a lot to say, but the character Annie Ooh. generally. Yeah. I feel like since we were talking about the paint thinner scene, that just shows like, you know, the type of person Annie is, you know, because she doesn't, she takes no blame. She at all, like the type of character that Annie is, is like, a hypocrite and like i don't want to say narcissistic but like you kind of get that vibe right and like you feel like the way she acts generally like she like the dinner scene which we will get to but generally in the dinner scene she tells and gets really mad that nobody can take blame for their actions and but in reality annie never takes blame for her actions and you see it in her facial expressions, like during that paint thinner scene, because like when she says, I never wanted to be your mother, she like, she, like she gives like a shrug, like, like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> like I never wanted to be your mom. Like it was like, you know, it's just that type of, and there's obviously, you know, the whole movie and Annie in general is just, you know, there's something there, but like, what do you think about Annie? Oh God, that's a lot. Uh, interesting points you had there. I, I was just, man i i hear what you're saying because because our like in that first grief counseling or i guess that's the only one um but in the grief counseling scene uh she like near the end of her when she's talking she says she has that line where she's like am i to blame like for all this and i i think it's like for her the trauma she experienced growing up and everything with her mother um her brother and her father and everything and then you know like passing on to her children and obviously this is um oh yeah because this is when this is before her daughter says only her mom is gone um but she there is some i don't think she maybe references in that scene but uh like the uh disconnect between her daughter and her and her son and her but like there's you know something off like with her relationship to her children though and Mm -hmm. It's hard because I I think I agree because I agree she's not taking the blame like she definitely is dishing out blame when she also has fault like she's not she didn't make all the right decisions or anything like she did push a little hard for her to go no to the party yeah she pushed really hard for him her to go to the party like you said knowing that there's going to be alcohol so she knew the facade. And yet she was like, I, I don't know. I don't care. And maybe, yeah, she shouldn't have done that. And mm-hmm. the consequences and obviously Peter's consequences. So no one is safe. I mean, I guess the dad, which, uh, which I don't feel like no one talks about Gabriel Byrne is not a lot. Of course, but, Steve, <laughs> but Steve, uh, Gabriel Byrne as Steve, I, he's really just like the rock in this movie. Like, I'm just like, man, I'm so sorry. Your family's so fucked, but you're good. You're normal. 
Um, yeah. Did you also know? Because I was like, how old is Gabriel Byrne? He, and he's also British. Uh, and Tony Collette's Australian. And I'm like, God damn it. They're always better than us. Um, <laughs> I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Even Gabriel Byrne's not American. God damn it. <laughs> um, I mean, we still got Alex Wolf. That's true. He's an American citizen, million Shapiro. And, and oh, actually, I don't know. And Dowd is. I think Ann Dowd is. I think so. Is American. I think so because I know she's won something. I think an Emmy for her performance because uh, she was having quite a bit uh, great uh, time during this uh, period in her career um, a couple years ago. But anyway, yeah. So, um, I I think I agree with you, and in, in a uh, mostly, I I do think she has a little bit of narcissism, but also like from her background she's just like a fucked up person you know and yeah. i don't really i think she's a fucked up person who's tried to push down what's happened to her and com- uh compartmentalize it which i 100% understand and try to just be a quote unquote normal person living a quote unquote normal life with a family and a nice house doing her miniatures and her miniatures are good well also she got some weird shit like she puts everything in her miniatures you know like she has the breastfeeding uh uh-huh. thing that she talked about is depicted in a miniature which she just turns around and it's just like her uh about to breastfeed charlie and then like her mom is like a figurine holding her uh breast out and it's just like oh wow you that really did happen i mean so i understand how she is, but I think you do have to have some sort of acknowledgement that yeah. you are also fucked up and you you are the cause probably for a lot of the issues that you have, which I feel like a lot of parents don't realize somehow, but like a lot of people who aren't parents yet are like, mom, dad, guardian, you are literally doing the thing that you're seeing not for me to do. You, you who do you think I got it from? And then when you're an adult, uh-huh. you're like, where, why are you like this? And people just forget. Like, I don't understand it. <laughs> and that's how I feel this situation is. It's like, don't you understand that you're fucked up and probably pass some weird shit on, which I think she is trying to grapple with in that scene in the uh, grief counseling. But I don't think she... I mean, because she never tells anyone she's going there. Obviously, Joan knows, but she doesn't tell uh, Steve. Uh, he's li- so, like she lies to him and just says she's going to a movie. So, yeah, I mean, miscommunication and not really yeah. expressing your feelings is not healthy. But she's I mean, she nothing Annie does is healthy in this. I, not, like nothing, because, you know, you could argue that when, you know, she tries to bring Charlie back that like, all right you know, now there's something supernatural in the, in the mix, but for Annie, nothing is supernatural until that point. So like, that's literally just her basically descending into, you know, madness of her own and her true, I'm not going to say true self, but like that self of her comes out. So like, there's, I can name the time where she looks at Peter like this is after Charlie dies. She's in the car. She sees Peter get home on his bike and have like a full on anxiety attack, just dreading to go inside of the house. And 
it shows that Annie is, she's just staring at him the entire time, watches him as he's just paused there and just in so much just torment in his mind. And then she just drives off when she, when he walks back in, she is just, she, she blames Peter like the entire movie. And that does come out in certain different ways. Like when she goes to the treehouse so often when Charlie first dies, yes, it's because Charlie's always up there. But at a certain point, do you kind of think that maybe because maybe she's doing it to make Peter feel even worse because they emphasize in a shot before that, when Charlie is alive, where you can see the treehouse from Peter's room and you can, you have a clear view of it from Peter's room. And she is always going up there and turning on the heater, which is a, you know, really bright red. The way I take that is that she is like, you know, trying to make Peter feel even worse for like what he did. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. And, and when Joan walks up to her, um, uh, the second time after Charlie, she wants to, well, this is the first time Joan like really reaches out to her. Um, and she's like, how, how are you doing the, like with your mom's death and whatever she says? And he says, uh, no, my daughter was killed. Like, I feel yeah, like I just that her too. saying killed is, you know, like an implication. Like it's like she, she, she holds all the blame for Peter and she, does not act like you know execute any of it well no that that's a good point yeah because she she yeah she has the am 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 animosity i was like i can't get it out yeah uh of like uh like for peter because of that but yeah that's a really good point that she does say to joan in that scene that um it was uh, like killed not she died she passed away it was an accident uh-huh. i mean she eventually says like it was an accident but yeah that's why i think um with like in jones character i mean i love and doubt in this movie i think <laughs> i i wasn't expecting um a character like this in this film i thought it was just like completely going to be on the family because uh, there really aren't that many characters on the periphery at all honestly i mean there's like no. uh peter's i guess love interest who has like three scenes and then his like friends he smokes with his his brace face friend yeah yeah which oh man i almost forgot he, he's awesome <laughs> I love him, but there's, there's a scene. I almost forgot. I'll go right back to this where my point with Joan. Um, but there's a scene. I never even noticed this until this time. So Peter, um, I think, yeah, this is before Charlie's dead. He's smoking in his room and he blows smoke out the window. And on the left side of the screen, it's at nighttime, the left side of the screen screen, you don't see a human or anything. You just see someone outside's breath breathing just like you just see uh because it's cold outside so you see their breath just like come out of them and i was like oh shit they're being watched and i didn't even notice that until this time i did you ever notice this i've never noticed that like i gotta i gotta watch it again <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> gotta... it's i'm trying to remember when this is because i mean this is pretty early on i think this might be after the yeah it has to be after the funeral because that's like the second scene um but yeah it's it's really probably the first like 10 minutes 15 minutes i believe but yeah i was just like oh shit 
oh my god i never noticed that but uh, once again there are so many things in the background throughout this movie that you might not get the first second or even third time watching it yes i will say um for everybody who has seen it uh that pay close attention to the phone pole that charlie hits uh, before they even, before that whole sequence even happens, you know, whenever you see a telephone pole, look at it <laughs> very closely. Yeah. The symbol, the symbol, yeah. the symbol that is the necklace that you first see on the grandmother in her casket. Then you see that um, on the same necklace uh, Annie has, you see it on the pole, you see it, other places i mean you see it later when annie goes to see joan and she's not in her apartment anymore she's just knocking it's in there i mean yeah just the first showing up yeah the first time like that like basically knowing that that telephone pole has that symbol opens everything up because you know like having it on her you know on the mom's necklace and stuff like that gave away that, you know, there was a symbol, but like, you know, there wasn't anything bad attached to it yet. And then boom with Charlie. And then you realize that's a fucked up symbol. <laughs> so keep on looking out for that symbol. And it's, it's such a cool way to capture it too. Cause it's that it's just like a normal cars driving past and cameras and, you know, uh sit at position from, you know, right to left, you just see car drive, but it's like pretty fast. It's like car drive pole. And then it, the shot cuts and then goes on with the movie. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. And, yeah, you might not even notice it, be, even though it is in the center of the frame, but you might not notice the carving in the pole, which is like, uh, um, oh, uh, what does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It looks like a birthday cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to get back to Joan real quick in that first scene because um, I love Joan's character. But, yeah, I like she is such a smartly written character and her as a, and her character has great tactics because, you know, Tony Collette, as we talked about character, Annie, she's, she's not someone who's just going to just like burst out like my emotions. This is what I'm feeling. I mean, she doesn't really want to even go to group. Like she uh-huh. says in that scene, the first scene, she's tried this before and it didn't work, but she thought, screw it. I guess I should try again. See if it's different now that I'm older. And, you know, she's her daughter is dead at this point and she cares about her and she's going to go to the group. She gets there and she's in their car, but then she's just like, I can't. And she starts driving away. And that's where we meet Joan in a parking lot. And, you know, she it's it's great tactics because at first she's just saying like, oh, you're not coming in or anything like and then she's obviously just like not really listening or she just wants to go, Annie. And then Joan keeps pushing and pushing like, oh, I heard about your mom. Uh, I'm so sorry. He's like, what? Oh, no, I'm I my daughter actually died. And it's like, oh, no. And then yeah, she doesn't really want to talk about it. And then perfect timing. Joan just mentions that my son died. Oh, I'm so sorry. So they have this connection and then she gives her her phone number, says, call me later sometime. You know, you don't have to, but just have someone to talk to. And she seems like such a genuine person. Uh Did you think that there was something uh, mischievous about her or not at all? Not at all. That that surprised me 100 percent. But 
my my girlfriend did like immediately, but she's weird like that. She always picks up some weird ass like things that you would never pick up. She just she immediately is like, no, there's something wrong there. Like like there's something up there. I was like, I mean, Joan seems pretty regular to me. I don't, I don't like the the character Joan is a marvelous actress. Not even the actress herself and Dowd, but the character Joan is a marvelous actress. I mean, she really is. Like. <laughs> Later on, um, and this scene always made me laugh. I don't know if it's just like Ann Dowd's like run and just like, oh, Annie, hi. Like, because she's just so nice. Oh, Annie. Hi. Oh, oh, oh. Annie. Hi. <laughs> hi. Oh, hi. How are you? Oh, Annie. You I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am, yes, I'm really good. But this is when uh, she catches her in like the parking the grocery lot. Grocery like, store. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that or like some kind of art store, maybe, I think. Um, yeah. And it's just, oh, like, uh, yeah, it probably is. Cause I think they have like a bunch of boards and stuff. Um, yeah. Cause I think this is after she, dest- uh, Annie destroys her own, um, <laughs> uh, like project because she's you know just like i'm fucking i've had it and yeah she just meets her and i'll just like starts just like running like annie hey annie <laughs> and then this is when she first starts to tell her um about the seance that she went to i know what you're thinking i do but i i approached the medium afterwards and i i asked her about my son and my grandson and she came to my apartment and she She ended up performing, well, she conjured my grandson. It's really cool because she brings her over to her car and they're like stuck between two cars. So she's really in close proximity and knowing anything about like acting and tax tactics and like getting people to stay. Like sometimes um, we'll play this game, like get me to stay. Like it's an improv, but like get me to stay. Like I I'm going to leave, like do stuff like, touch me if you have to or like do things with your words but like she's perfect because you like like, both of them are great in this scene because tony collette's like oh come on like this stuff isn't real and then and out is just like reaffirming like yeah no i know i know it's not real i know i know like you think it's not real but like i and i was just like you but trust me i talked (laughs) i talked annie and she keeps touching her and like the uh reaffirmation that is really what gets it because she's like i talked to my son and my grandson I know, I know, I know how it sounds. And like, she changes the pitch of her voice and she keeps Ugh. touching her, which made me uncomfortable. I was like, stop, dude, me. I have this exact, I am looking at this exact note that <laughs> says the amount of touching Joan does is hella uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's like hella down. uncomfortable. Like, stop it. <laughs> I I because I think because I forgot like the exact order of the scenes, but literally the next scene after this, is when she does the seance and i was like oh shoot but like which is another sense. weird moment for her <laughs> it is it is this is oh louie <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh oh good because <laughs> she starts like this is i think in that scene in the parking lot is when i realized um joan might not be as great as possible as uh, as i initially thought just because it's just it's a little too listen to what i'm saying Listen, I'm, 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 look, I'm trying to tell you something like it's, it's just a little too much where I thought I 
maybe she's a little more mischievous than I first uh, she let on. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, that next scene. Oh my god! <laughs> like I've never seen like a seance in a movie where like someone contacts someone and it's so quick. It just kind of took me and like you know Annie off guard. I was like, oh shit! <laughs> She's uh-huh. already talking. Like like they're already moving this cup. This is usually it takes like longer and or maybe something doesn't happen. But no, this is like uh-huh. really quick. And then Annie's like freaked out. And then Joe yeah. just like take this, take this. I, I don't know what language this is, but take these words. Just trust me. <laughs> yeah. What I don't get, what's what's what like that's when Annie should have known that Joan was fucked up because one, yes, it's a seance, but two, she gave her like a whole script to read. And she said you had to read it out loud. You had to do all this stuff. And like you just said, that seance was super quick and effective. It's because Joan is already so powerful in that way that she probably just said that shit in her head and immediately knew. And that's when you should immediately know that Joan is suspect. Joan is hella sus right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was not working in the med bay. <laughs> <laughs> That's but the yeah. second Among Us reference that you can't handle the genre has thrown out into an episode. Yeah. Until it stops being popular, I'm going to keep referencing it if it works <laughs> in the movie. Um, it might be the end of it, though, in Horror Month. Well, who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's it's just a really well shot scene. Like, I love the cut to dark, the blackness, and then uh, like the first seance scene, and then it's lit by a match. And just Joan and Annie in the darkness. It's just, it's really cool. Um, Pal Porg, I think it's uh, Pal uh, uh, Pogorzelski. Pal Pogorzelski. Yeah, yeah Pogorzelski. Is, is the cinematographer. He also was the uh, cinematographer for Midsummer. And my lord, this man is a fucking master of the camera. Yes, he is. <laughs> it's just gorgeous shot after gorgeous framing. Just amazing. Because they built this. Um, they were looking for a house to film in somewhere. And I guess it was just expensive to, you know, rent the place and like maybe shut down the streets as much as they needed to around it and everything. And it actually was just cheaper to just build a house, but on like on the sound stage. So every interior is on the sound stage and the exteriors um, they did, you know, actually shoot outside, obviously, but yeah, the inside of the tree house, they actually had two of them, one for the scenes that weren't the last scene where all those people had to be naked in it, in it and everything. And one scene uh-huh. for everything else, but yeah. And it helped them like move the walls around um, or help them. So they could just like move the walls around and like play with like perspective and kind of shoot the house almost like miniatures sometime, which I was like, yeah, that actually I can, I can see what you guys were doing there. It, it really does help kind of shoot on the soundstage sometimes. Yeah, this dude. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. And that opening shot, too. We didn't really, really mention it, but oh, the fuck, opening shot is like, like literally incredible, like literally just incredible. And that was what gripped me immediately in the movie. Like I was like, that happened. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. This is going to be amazing. Same. I was like, oh, man, uh, something, I mean, opening shots like I, I think um not just shots, but scenes. Uh, Damien Chazelle said this about Whiplash. Um, uh, he said that I hate when people 
waste their opening shot or scene. You know, like this is the first thing in your world that someone gets to see. And, you know, people, if they're in a theater or maybe at home, they'll, they could leave, they could turn it off and you'd want them, you want to keep their attention. So don't just do like just these wasteful establishing shots of a city that you're at or something, do something interesting that really has to be with your story. I mean, this shot is of the uh, tree house through a window and then it's uh, the camera pulls back. You realize you're in some kind of craft room. Obviously it's Annie's and you see all these miniatures and then it goes into one of the miniatures of the house and we zoom in on one of the rooms and somehow that transitions <laughs> somehow. Yes. To P uh, to um, Peter's Steve. room. Yeah. It's Peter's room. And then Steve like just walks in to give him like a suit to wear for the funeral. And I was like, how the fuck did they do this? I said those exact words. Those are <laughs> my amazing. exact words. <laughs> it's it's truly amazing honestly it just it grips you immediately and then you know you're kind of just like what's so what's going on it's this creepy just feeling this dread that just like blankets the movie you know and uh. that i i think that's um it, he did like a really good job ari aster because i know he like storyboards everything because he wants to not waste time and everything so he can talk with like the production design which the production the production design yes it deserves all those weird sounds it just made uh it, <laughs> yes it's it does <laughs> it's so good i i love every room I mean, I I really do, like, in some movies, I, I appreciate production design more. Um, even if it's really well done. Like, uh, like in some movies, it just hits me different. Like, especially when you're in Charlie's room. I think that's when I was like, bam. I mean, there's just so much shit everywhere. All these, like, weird uh, figurines she makes out of just, like, a bunch of anything. And she gets her artistic side from her mom, obviously. But her mom does miniatures, and Charlie does figurines but she also does like has real items like you know she puts the decapitated bird on one of them and uh -huh. to me i kind of interpreted that as like um like annie makes her past and maybe deals with grief and stress and her emotions through her miniatures and her art but like charlie she kind of uh distorts nature you know, uh, with having like real items and uh, animal parts on her things and like distorts other things and makes them new, which I think really works with the whole mm. like her supposed to be um, payment type thing that they're trying to do, you know. It's, it's really funny because what I thought you were going to say when you said that Annie makes her past, I was like, and Charlie made her future. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to part one of two of our ex exploration of Hereditary. There won't always be more than one part, but this film is just way too dense and full of crazy information and hidden meanings that we just couldn't handle it in only one episode. So we're giving it the dose.
This episode, the part two, actually will be released on Saturday, the 31st of October. We thought that would be a fitting end to the spooky month, to our month of horror. And then you can tune in to the following Tuesday, November 3rd, for our new genre. It's random to us, and it will be random to you. But you can find out what it is before we release the episode to the rest of the world. If you tune in to part two of Hereditary, at the end of the episode, we pick the genre together, and we figure out what we're going to do next. So thank you so much, and I hope you enjoyed this part and you tune in for part two.